Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Yeah, it's true. You guys saw the title. You saw the those words. They hurt my heart a little bit, but I, it's, it'll be okay. It's head-to-head strategy day here on Fantasy NBA Today. And you guys know how much I like to talk about Roto, so you also know how much this is this is going to hurt a little bit. So I brought along someone you may have heard of before to talk us through how to win a head-to-head league. And there he is, the great Josh Lloyd. Red Rock underscore B-Ball. What's up, Josh? It's good to have you on. DBJ, welcome. Not welcome. I'm welcoming. I'm getting welcome to you. I always screw this up. So yes, hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I actually think it'd be fun if you and I just did one where we each were pretending to be both the host and the guest at the uh, same time. <laughs> simulcast. Yeah, the simulcast. Can I tell a dumb simulcast joke before we do anything? Not a joke. I guess it's a story. Um, I used to love doing them in minor league baseball because most of us didn't have an analyst on the broadcast. So uh, there were a couple of ballparks in the California League where the two broadcast booths were separated by one very thin sheet of glass, and you could hear very clearly every word the other play-by-play guy said. So finally, we just ran our second mic, our crowd mic, to the other broadcaster and oh, wow. broadcasted into two mics at the same time. It was glorious. Anyway. Well, that's, that's innovation, Dan. That's, that's right. We were, ter- we were really innovating. We were... Very tired, and it was a very long and hot <laughs> middle central central California. Oh, well, you're a you're a minor league baseball legend, right? So I started collecting minor league baseball caps. No right. way. Do you know what this? Do you know what this team is? Uh, I haven't a clue. Is that the front of a train? Yeah, it is. It's the Round Rock Express. That's is that a new logo down in Texas? Oh, I know the Round Rock. I didn't know that was their logo. There's that one, which is from the one of the Dios de los Muertos day. That's the Durham Bulls. Oh, okay. Um, you'll know this one surely. Hang on, reach for this one. Those that is the El Paso Chihuahuas. Oh, it is the El Paso Chihuahuas. Yes, yes I believe their are. broadcaster is Josh Sushan, an old buddy of mine. And what else, what else you I got have? over there? This is fun. I like this. Uh, I got a few. This one here. That's the Lake the... Elsinore Storm. It I did a, is. I did it a is. lot of and I did then... a lot of games down there in in Elsinore. And that's the other one I've got, which is what? a that's another El Paso one, but it's from their Margarita Night. Oh, I like that one. I got a few actually up here too. One of them is from my kids last little league team this is the uh canapolis cannonballers oh that's a w that's huge i've also got a jacksonville jumbo shrimp one somewhere as well right and they used to be the sun for a really long time and they changed their everybody in the minors now they got to change their name to like some creature that's the other one i've got this is the first one i got the the aviators because they used to be the 51s or something oh las vegas yeah yeah so i got the when i was out for summer league i bought the aviators oh i didn't even i didn't even know they changed their name yeah, I'm, until I got to go, what is this? What's this logo? Who's What's this team? They got it's the old 51s. Wait a minute, I got okay, one more. Fair enough. As long as we're doing this. So this is the uh, the old, I've worn this one on the show a few times. This is the old Visalia Oaks before they were the wow. Rawhide. That is a that is a mad acorn. That That's ac- fantastic. That acorn is hopping my, mad. My, my, league, my league baseball is insane. The teams are crazy. <laughs> I, I, love love it. It. I love it. It's so good. God, I wish we would have known each other when I was still working in the minors. <laughs> would have had you out to a Bakersfield Blaze game. Uh, let's talk head to head strategy. Um, you guys, listeners know, Josh, you know, I don't, um, I don't make a great plan for podcasts. I just kind of like to see where the world takes us. But Mm -hmm. so I kind of want to just start at the top and, and folks probably saw I used Luka Doncic as the, the background photo for this. 
he to me is a wonderful example of someone that makes way more sense in one format versus the other because uh, one thing that you can lean into on the head-to-head side that you can't as much with Roto is if you're weak in a couple of categories, it's not the end of the world. But um, this is this is more, I don't want to say your wheelhouse because we all have to kind of study all of this stuff, but how do you begin when you're working on a head-to-head league? What's the What are the first main tenets that hit your brain on draft night? I think what it is, Dan, is and I'm, I'm doing... I'm not changing my thought process a lot, but I'm just leaning into a few different things with it this season. It's just that understanding, I I think that the draft is not overvalued, but we put too much focus on, did I win the draft? Did I lose the draft? Like part of the way that you have success is being nimble during the season. And that's doubly important, I think, for head-to-head leagues. You can't win a league at the draft. It's very hard to lose a league unless you make you know, six dumb picks in a row, right? Then you go, like, how do I recover from this? But it's about being nimble and and adjusting things throughout the season. And that is more important for head-to-head because, again, one of the major things I'm leaning into this season is that we look at numbers, right? We look at You can look at totals. You can look at averages, whatever floats your boat, whichever one of those. But that's really more important over the course of a roto season. For a head-to-head, it's a week, man. It's three games. It's four games per player. Those averages don't mean shit over the course of the season. Like they so, they mean a bit, but they don't tell you what's going to happen. On someone that averages twenty points per game, they don't score 20, 20, 20, 20, 20. They might go twenty-seven, 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 twelve, 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 twenty-seven, twenty-seven, and those averages are great over the course of the year, but it doesn't actually mean anything when you're looking at each individual matchup. And I think that we are so pushed into looking at totals or averages and sites or default to those rankings based on a lot of that stuff that it can skew our, um, the way, the way that we approach our head to head leagues. And I'm trying to get out of that mindset of really looking at that week to week nature of it versus a season long average sort of scenario. So how does that, uh, tweak the way you approach and I don't necessarily draft because we're in draft season right now but just strategy as a whole are you less inclined to attack the more variable categories and more inclined to attack the ones that fluctuate less week to week or does it is it still kind of a a, more of a nebulous thought that's working its way into strategy well I'm glad you said before that we you didn't plan anything out because that's exactly where I wanted you to lead me to we didn't even talk (laughs) about that because yeah I, I I do sort of look at it that way in terms of that variability and the way that things can I've done a lot of work on this this season and I'll you know we all you know people you've heard me talk about the the folly or the flaws in 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 uh, standard scores and z scores and how they can you know, skew rankings and all that sort of stuff right people have heard me say that many times but one thing like you you look and you can look at trackers and you can look at averages and when you look at like a team total this is something I found out that I saw the other day right so like there was two teams I was matching up with just to see how they played out for a week. And one team had a, a Z score on steals of one point, uh, 1.1 and the other one had a Z score of 0.7, right? So you tell that that's, that's, it's not a gigantic difference, but it's sizable enough where you go, I feel okay about winning that. I'm guessing that's how you look at that. At 1.1, it was 1.15 versus 1.7, right? So let's say 1.2 to, to 0.7. So yeah, it's a pretty that's good a gap. Five. Yep. Um, so then I looked at that and I go, okay, that's that's interesting, right? Let's have a look at what that actually means. And then I, this is for steals. So I looked it out and I said, well, let's assume that for a week, uh, it's 13 
players on a team. Um, we'll count a little bit for streaming in there. And we'll say that that team plays 50 games in a week and their opponent plays 50 games as well, which I think is a fair, it's 45, 47, 52, whatever, you know, for the week. And I, I played all that out and those two teams, one with a, a Z score of 1.15 and one at 0.7, one of them had 56 steals and one of them had 53. So you look at it and go, oh, I've got oh, what a comfortable victory I've got. It's three steals. Like, do you know how easy that is to change? That the way we look at it, we go, oh, I'm so comfortable here in steals. And steals is the biggest offender. That is the most variable category. But any of these low volume ones, and the same happened when I looked at, at blocks for that team as well. They had a 1.43 versus 0.9. And the difference for the week was four blocks. Look, that's that's nothing. You could stream, you could four. cover that in a streaming technique, most likely. Well, you're up by four blocks. Jaron Jackson misses a game, and all of a sudden you've lost blocks. That's, that's all it takes. Or, yeah, you stream in Bismack Biombo for four games during the week, and he blocks one shot a game, and you've won it. And we look at these, oh, that's what a great strength this is, and I've built up these categories. But unless you are so dominant in these low-volume categories on a weekly basis, the variance is is it's gigantic, and it just takes nothing to actually – and the same free throw percentage is another one like that. Field goal percentage is another one like that as well. Is They are so variable – game on game and week on week that if you just go in heavily focusing on some of those categories, unless you build up a gigantic strength, you're going to put yourself in real peril, I think. So do you think then is, is the move there to focus extremely hard on the other five ish? Am I counting that right? Basically five and then kind of hope that you catch one or two of the more variable one. What's the, what's the next move you think? Well, that's that's the thing. You, you can either go super hard on it, right? And you can build up a really big difference. Because if you have a team with that might get, uh, you say, 45 blocks in a week and the other teams are averaging 20, well, you're fairly safe, right? Like, you're okay in that. But if it look, it's looking sort of close, like, you've got to work out whether is it actually worth my time continuing to build on this? Can I build up a big enough lead? And so I'm not saying to ignore those categories significantly, but don't look at it and go, well, look at me with this strength of one in steals of my Z score or 1.5. It doesn't guarantee anything. Like unless you've got like getting to a three or something, then you're feeling more comfortable. So, and those low volume ones are hard to get to that level. Like folks picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. It's a lot easier with points and rebounds and assists and, and even threes to a degree because they're probably double volume of what a steal and a block is per week. Because it blocks the league average for a fantasy league is like 0.6 per player. Yeah. All right, that's so, that's so, and you can't even get 0.6 blocks a game. So it's, it's either a one or a zero. So those numbers are so wildly, they're so wildly variable that 
if you are putting tons of focus on those categories, but not actually building them up to be super strong, you're going to find that it's just a weekly scrap all the time. And I hope that I hope I'm not like being too vague because I, I still don't know the hundred percent answer to this, but there are certain things that we take for granted when looking at numbers without actually breaking it down to a weekly basis, which is literally how head to head leagues are decided. Yeah. I mean, it's, this is, this is partly why I prefer Roto and people have heard me, um, all my complaints, that type of stuff you can kind of push off to the side a little bit, the per game, the the totals that actually is what ends up getting scored for you at the end of the year. So you're not worried about, will my guy who's a 50, like will DeMar DeRozan, who's a 50, 80 something splits guy have a weird week in December where he shoots 32% from the field and goes six Mm. for 14 at the free throw line. We can't explain these things. They happen even to the best of them. And I, I mean, we've all, I'm sure had a game. That happened to DeMar last season. Yeah. He didn't have like three weeks. We shot 70% from the line or something. Yeah. Something like that. It happens every time. I mean, I I, like, I worked as a handicapper back in whatever it was 13 years ago. I can't tell you how many times I'm sitting on my couch, pillow clutched in hand, watching a 90% free throw shooter trying to close out a game and thinking, I'm screwed. He's definitely missing one of these two free throws. Mm. In these and this trip, my 90% foul shooter is going to shoot 50%. I'm certain of it. Uh, So that, again, like, but we have to make sure that folks are approaching the head-to-head side. I don't want to turn this show into a why Dan still likes Roto discussion. I'm always at risk of doing that, and I have to catch myself. Um, Is there an argument to be made that because people don't focus on the variable ones, you can lean into them very hard and get them? Or is it still too tough to, to build up enough of a lead there? No, you can do it, right? You, you can lean into it, but you have to lean in so hard in doing it to get yourself security there that it does cost you some of those other categories, which are the more volume-based, like your, your points and assists in particular. Like if you build steals and blocks really high, your points and assists will almost definitely tail off a little bit and then you'll get strong turnovers in, in that situation as well. And it all depends on how you want to build your team, but it's more just like, and I've, I've said this like anecdotally for like four or five years ago, the players in ranking numbers will get boosted with steals or blocks and a guy that might get 1.5 steals versus 1.1 might see a 40 spot jump year over year. But that's like, how does that tell us anything? Like that's so small on a week to week basis. Is that player actually that much better? During that time, so you, I think what I've, what I'm starting to feel is that if you are looking to to punt things or focus on things, you've got to actually lean into it pretty hard. Other because on a week to week basis, it's just you're not guaranteeing you yourself anything unless hmm. you've built up super strength in in that sort of a category. And there is there's plenty of examples like you mentioned that, that free throw one is great because you talk about like a, a 90% free throw shoot goes to the line, but free throw percentage is one of those ones too. If some like I think the average per player was four attempts per game. So in a, on each game, you've got 0%, 25%, 50%, 75%, or 100%. They're the numbers that you can bring from a game at four attempts. So it's not like, well, he's 81 or 80 or 79 or 78. So things fluctuate wildly with those numbers. And free throw percentage is a whole nother, like issue in terms of head-to-head <laughs> matchups because uh, oh, here's something else I found out. Like Again, there's probably some crossover people who listen to this and listen to me, and I've, I've mentioned this before. Oh, yeah. But... On my projections this season, right, I've got Shay at about 89% on like 11 or 12 attempts. And I've got Steph at like 91, but on five attempts. And everyone will say, well, you take the guy with the, the bigger volume as a general rule. He's a, And yeah, the Z scores will, will play that out. But I looked at it, Dan. And if your team outside of that player sits at like above average free throws, like 82%, say we, we're going to assume 80% is average. If your team sits at 82%, 
adding Steph actually boosts your free throws more than adding Shea, despite him having that high Z score. But if you're below average, then Shea is better than Steph in terms of bringing your overall free throw percentage up. So there's all this wackiness with numbers because we just don't look at it on a week-to-week basis. We look at it because of the way that the game started, which was through Roto 40 years ago. Everything is like averages and ranks is based on a Roto thing and the game has evolved into majority head-to-head and our evaluation hasn't necessarily followed with it. I have a lot of questions and I want to try to make sure I, I, I get okay. to them. But you said something in there that that piqued my interest and I thought maybe we could dig a tiny bit deeper on that, which was, uh, I think you said, if you're going to punt, you have to punt pretty darn hard. Is that, that, that actually kind of feels a little bit different than the consensus coming up to recently in fantasy sports, where I feel like there was a lot of soft punting, but it feels like you're saying because of this variability, because like, if you're going to punt, you got to make sure you build up a strong enough advantage where the week to week fluctuations can't cost you that, that stat. Does that change then the way you're, you rank players going into a draft? That's always the way I've thought about it, Dan, but I've been more sort of putting it into concrete terms this season. It's more like, cause, and, I, and I do view punting a little bit different to others because like, you, you mentioned soft punts. And I, to me, the way that I approach it, it doesn't, that doesn't exist because I'm not looking to make a category worse. I'm not looking to make it. I'm looking to make my other ones better. And so I want to make them actually better. There's no point me making them have a, a Z score of one across the board and another one of a minus 10. That doesn't help me. I want those other ones to be plus threes or plus fours or gigantic boosts. And if those other ones drop to minus twos or minus ones or minus fours, it doesn't matter in that regard. It's more about, I'm always, when I'm talking punting, which is again, probably a bad term for it because it does focus on the negativity. It's more about, I want the other ones built up. It doesn't, I don't care what happens to the other one. It can be average. It can be good. It can be shit house. It doesn't matter. I want the other ones to be great and how I get to those other ones being great is the more, is the more important thing. So and if you sit there and those other ones are average to middling, it doesn't matter if that other category is sort of bad or terrible, bad, it doesn't actually matter that much. And then if you are actually going to go to that situation where the others don't build up so high, then you are in a better, you would be better off not ma- making sure that other category doesn't go too negative because everything is going to be up in the air on a week to week basis. We need a new name for punting. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have the energy to think of that at this point. But basically, <laughs> I've, I've always been like, it don't, it's not the negatives, it's the positives. Like, you, you aren't looking at the negatives. Forget the negatives. And I hear it all the time with people as well. If you're punting free throws, you've got to target this guy. You don't. You don't have to target bad free throw guys, like, at all. Like, not even remotely closer because you, you don't get a point for losing by more. You want to build the other categories up. Now, sometimes that helps. Like, if you punt free throws, your blocks guys and field goal percentage guys go high, and you want to really build those categories up. But you don't have to have bad free throw shooters in a punt free throw build. That's not how it works. And that's why all this terminology leads us to believe this that we're looking to make something bad when it's absolutely got nothing to do with how you have success in that strategy. Do you typically punt going into a draft or whatever word we're going to use to describe it? Go, going into a draft, not really. Like, I have ideas of it, and it's it is sometimes hard for me when people ask those questions. And I'm sure you'll find that similarly, Dan, is because, but are you, how are you thinking? What are you players you're targeting? Like, I know every single player in the league. There's like 600 players on rosters at the moment, and I can tell you every player's name, their position, their weaknesses and strengths. So I don't have to go in and go. Oh, I've got to target this these specific 15 players. So it fits my build because I can just adjust with every player on the fly and see who's coming from where, right? But not everyone's like that. So I, because they don't do this, they're not doing this job consistently. So I don't have to go in and say, this is my specific situation. I must get this guy here. I can adapt stuff on the fly 
pretty regularly. And I think if you can get to that stage, that helps because like I said, being nimble, whether it's in your draft round to round, whether it's in your season week to week, whether it's day to day, you got to make changes. You got to be able to adjust things really, really quickly. And it's part of another, I'm having all these like epiphanies this season where people are like, man, what's, what's your best pairing? Don't worry about it. Yeah. It's overrated. Like, and each round that you go down a draft, like the decision tree of who you pick just gets bigger. Or you might have four guys in round two. Then you have, six guys options in round three you might have 10 guys in round four you might have 30 guys you can pick in round five like stop narrowly focusing yourself because when you narrowly prescribe yourself to a set thing to do it's gonna go badly i think yeah i mean you you your options get so limited if anybody takes those those choices off the table for you the panic sets in pretty fit pretty and, quick and then you, you you sort of convince yourself that like well i have to have this guy to execute this build no you don't you don't. You can do so many different things in these areas. There's not one player that if you don't get this guy, you can't do this certain structure. It's just there are so many different options with each. Even if you consider the standard nine categories, well, there's nine punt builds. There's not because then you can do – there might be times when you've punted two categories or three or one or whatever it is. There's so many different ways about it. And as I said, and another thing that I'm just going on, and I'm just trying to do so many different things this season. When oh, I go this is it, great. Man, this is, is we go like, I, I love not having to talk that much. This is the best. You go to round four in a draft, right? And there's 12 picks in round four. Yeah, as a, as a standard league. There's, but there's probably 30 guys you could pick there. You go to round seven, there's 12 picks. I could make an argument for 50 guys that could go in that spot. The differences yep. between those players is so small. And we look at it and at the end of the draft as well, Dan. You do an auction draft. The last 30-odd players all go for a dollar as a general rule, yeah? Like that's, we can sort of accept that. The last 30 to 40 players generally will go off for a dollar or two dollars. Yes? Sure. But we look in a, we look in a snake draft and we go, oh, I don't know if I picked this guy in round 11 or off round 13. Bro, it's the same. They're all priced the same. They're the same guys. Round 10, 11, 12, 13, it doesn't matter. They're all the same sort of players. So take who you want, who makes sense for you, who you feel more confident in. But we ordin- it's someone introduced me to this term, and I love it, ordinality. Well, this guy at 100 has to be 40 spots better than the guy at 140. And it's bullshit. They're all the same. And the guy at 170 is probably the same as the guy at 140 as well. And we try and narrowly prescribe what we're looking at through all of these things. When the differences between these guys is like, you might be 100th. Instead of hitting two threes a game, you hit 2.2, and now you're 70th. That, that's and it's nothing and there's so much fluctuation in it and we just narrowly focus ourselves on they have to do these averages every single game and it will blow your brain when you realize that that doesn't happen i forgot to mention earlier in the show that for folks that are joining us live the chat room is open if you guys want to throw anything in there if there's a fun question i'll i'll get to it a uh, couple of minor league baseball uh, references at the front end <laughs> um, of course what everyone wants to hear yeah well we got all of our hats on here i'm looking at my wall the rest of them are not minorly. I got some more in the in the closet though. I think I've got like a Columbus Clippers hat floating around oh, someplace. Wow. I know. You get things at the winter meetings and you you don't know what to do with them for a while. Uh Josh, of course, again is on Twitter at Redrock underscore B ball. a uh, couple more here at at towards the tail end. We've we've gotten through, I think, the front end of head to head. Um, what do you do about the back end of head to head? Because the silly season is a travesty. Are you just ending your league a month early at this point? Okay, that's what I've always done. Not a month. It's always been three weeks for me, Dan. I've always wanted to end things. Um, well, not wanted to end things. That sounds pretty dark. I've always wanted to end <laughs> end, end my leagues at, at a certain date, which Yahoo will put out their default date, and I'll always be like, well, I'll nope. put my date out first. But it's always two weeks earlier. I always want to go two weeks earlier. Oh, man, you're losing so much of the season. Every single time that I've done this and it's been tested over four or five years, you might have one or two players. And I think last season it was Halliburton who went down 
midway through that final week and maybe Lillard that did it. But the final three weeks is when all the nonsense starts. So if you finish your finals before the last three weeks of the season, you're actually you're actually fine. You're actually going to be okay. There's going to be one to two players you stand who have this some nonsense going on. But in general, if you finish three weeks to go in the regular season, that problem actually doesn't really exist. And it's the people who go to Yahoo default who start complaining about how bad it is. And the simple solution is don't do it. Like just don't play to that time. And it might be frustrating to you, but when we look at the length of an NBA season versus the length of an NFL season, if anyone plays week 18 in NFL season, you're going to tell them they're crazy. So it's the th- same thing in a 25 week NBA season. Don't play the final three weeks. It's all you, it's, that is as straightforward as it gets. And then the complaining and the problems of that, they're gone. They're not there. Does that allow you then opening up or ending it three weeks early? Does that open up the draft board in a way that going to the last week or two doesn't? Because I see so many people on the internet talking about how I can't draft this guy because he's a shutdown risk. I can't draft this guy because he's a shutdown risk. That's something that it seems like you're able to mostly eliminate. Yeah, like I've I'd never consider any of that stuff really. Like you probably the two major risks you got of that this season are, are probably going to be Portland and Washington, I would guess. Um, and they might look Jeremy Grant's the king of this. Like he's had a sore knee for four years in a row in, in April. <laughs> he doesn't so, like April. But just every time, man, that knee real real troublesome. Bro, you might want to like just be on crutches permanently or something because it's <laughs> every single year. So I'm not really worried about it. There's a slight risk with those guys. Also, I just think there's not going to be as many bad teams this year and the prize isn't as high this year as well. Plus, there is the most important thing out of that resting rule the NBA brought out was, hey, if you're going to throw a fake injury at us in April, we're going to investigate it. That's the most important thing out of it. I pay almost zero attention. to. Like, I wouldn't want to have, I wouldn't want to say draft. Well, I'm going to draft Poole and Kuzma and Tyus and Gafford. So uh, that's a lot of risk involved in that because there is still a chance of it. But I'm not shying away from any player because they might sit in April. Because guess what? I'm not playing fantasy in April. Do you change your approach in the fantasy playoffs for head-to-head versus what you do during the regular season? What do you mean? Change my approach in what way? Yeah, let's uh, let me I'll, let me go a little deeper on that one. So I, I know that some folks like to try to, as the season goes on, maybe lean even harder into their strengths uh, or assess an opponent in the playoffs and change the way they're utilizing their team. Uh, or you're someone that's more like, look, if this is the dance with the one that brung you or whatever that expression is and, and just kind of see it through that way? Um, I think that, well, you know that in head-to-head playoffs, you just got to win five or you got to win the majority categories. So yeah, like you just need to make sure that that weekly variance that I've talked about gets eliminated. So build that strength up. No point being okay in seven categories and having one injury to one bloke on a Friday drop to those categories down that you can't recover from part of the success i think of punting in head-to-head is it and, and again there are arguments against this people go, well, it stops your ability to add free agents or it reduces your trades or it makes injuries more impactful when it's actually i believe it's the opposite because it provides you so much insulation there that if you have a games play disadvantage if you have an injury you're already you might be doubled the other teams in blocks and one of those guys go down and you're still 50 percent higher or whatever it is so having leaning into those strengths more and just going, well, no matter what happens, if I have everyone performing 20% under and someone gets hurt, I'm still at a chance to win these categories. I I think is the way to go about it. Those are the main head to head topics I wanted to cover on today's show. Uh, I want to add one sort of adjacent one. Um, What is the tweak 
you see between playing head-to-head and Roto? Is it really that week-to-week variance element, or is it something else? Do you change the way you attack on draft night? I, I mean, this is a question more, I think, maybe for me and the weirdo Roto's folks that follow me, because um, I think most people probably are playing head-to-head and are considering a Roto League as opposed to the other way around. But what do you see as the main difference between the two? I am seeing at the moment, Dan, and I think a part of it is the leagues that I play in is that my general tenant in a roto league has been it is quite hard to punt unless and there's the, the, the unlesses that I use that the deep the deeper you go like the more the more teams you go if you go above 12 punting is actually fine in that situation the more categories you have well punting in roto for sure. one category becomes okay and the more competitive your league is like if you've got like four people who don't give a shit and stop playing then punting academy is going to make it tough to win but if everyone is switched on know what they're doing fantasy basketball uh, obsessives then you can actually do it you can be like have a three in a category and, and still win because the winner's not because in those leagues where there's half the people not playing like the winner of a roto league is going to be getting 10 10 10 10 11 9 10 12 10 right but in a competitive league no one's going to be able to do that so they're going to be winning with a seven and a nine 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 ten seven three, 12, like that sort of thing. And that's just going to be an assessment of your league. It is hard to do that. And I think the only ones that I, the only guys I really try to significantly avoid are significant, big, big negative players. Like, you know, the, probably the only example that sits is probably like a Giannis for free throw percentage, maybe, maybe like a Steven Adams. But even then, if you add Giannis to a league average team or a team that shoots 83% from the line, you know, your free throws come out at about 79% like 78%, like which still gives you about a six or a seven in a roto. So it's not like, it's not easy to do that, but <laughs> it's not, it's not impossible is what I'm was what I'm trying to say. Like, it doesn't mean that you automatically get a one in that category. It's like when people say, well, if I get Jaron Jackson, I'm automatically going to win blocks. You're not, you're just not like, I'm, that's just not how that works. And so they're probably just the big negative guys are the guys I'd maybe just steer a little bit away from, because even if I can get them, uh, like if I, if Giannis fell in a roto league to round three, I've at least got two guys before him who might be able to help with that free throw percentage, knowing that the big category influences come in those early rounds. I was trying to uh, sift through the the questions in the chat room. This one I thought was uh, kind of a a head to heady type of question. Would you rather punt points or rebounds if you ended up with Tyrese Halliburton? Um, or neither. Um, or neither. I. I tell you what I, I think is interesting with that. I punt points, and you know you love punt punt points. Dan. I it do is, love it punt points. Pretty, it is a pretty strong build. The problem you can run into with that is because everything else becomes low volume, your variance increases a lot. Um, because if you're not getting many points, you're not getting many attempts on your field goals or free throws. Meaning that if you well, it, we'll use an example. Look, if you have a hundred free throws for the week and you're normally at eighty, and instead you're at seventy-nine, you drop one percent. Right? You so say one missed free throw difference. If you have forty free throws for the week and you miss one, well, the change in that Two is significantly bigger, more. Yeah. And so that happens when you you know if you are punting points, obviously all of your shooting volume is down. So those percentages become more variable on a week to week basis. I don't know where I'm going with this, but yeah, would I rather punt points or rebounds with Halliburton? Um, I think it probably would be points because often points and assists can be joined together a lot with those those guys in the early rounds. And he gives you that already nice little head start in assists, which is something that you're going to, otherwise you'll, you'll find yourself in a, in a double point assist type punt scenario, especially if you then start to hyper-focus on turnovers, you can't get your assist back up either. 
Uh, Brooks says the San Antonio missions are the best. So, well, that's the, the they are now the Chihuahuas are the Padres AAA and the missions are the Double A. I'm pretty sure. I think that sounds right. I'm yeah, sure that's right. Your knowledge of minor league baseball uh, astounds and surprises me, but I it tickles my heart. I mean, this was like my I'm not that knowledgeable. <laughs> yeah, I'm not this... that knowledgeable. That's like my son's a Padres fan, so I know all their like. Oh, so you got the, um, the Padres high? What yeah. happened to the Padres? Yeah. I know this is a basketball uh, show, but what in the uh, world? Mate, uh, I don't know. He's not. He's not very happy about it. I don't know that much. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I mean, they won games in this month or last month, September. They finally started yeah. winning some bat or some baseball games. Um, Josh, can we do this again? In a couple of weeks before the season starts, and we'll get more into some results of a mock draft. We'll talk a little bit more about mm-hmm. the actual board. Yep, absolutely. Beautiful. And here's what we'll do a promo. I'm going to be on Josh's show in a couple of days this week. We're doing that mm-hmm. uh, three days from now, right? Might make. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's right. Yeah, three days. Yeah, your Friday morning, my Thursday afternoon. He is correct. The wonderful Red Rock underscore B Ball Josh Lloyd. Thank you, my man. Thanks for helping walk us through head to head. No problem, Danny. That was Josh. I'll be talking to him again in a couple of days uh, over on his Locked On channel. I hope that brought you guys a little bit of joy. I know you guys like Dan. Why don't you talk more about Head to Head? I talk about it as much as I possibly can, but at the same time, I also do express some of my concerns with Head to Head, which I think is fair. Um, Please do take a moment to like and subscribe. I'm trying to do as much as I can here, even in my sort of low-tech board backdrop behind me iteration but i got a new computer so if i could learn how to use a green screen i could put myself anywhere i'm doing my next few fantasy fantasy shows from neptune i am dan baspers at dan baspers over on social media again a big thank you to josh lloyd this was fantasy nba today a sports ethos presentation back tomorrow we'll get you some more on the board we'll do a mock draft tomorrow because i haven't done it in a few days so long for now everybody When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.